Welcome to the Memorial Sermon Podcast. It's our hope that this message would encourage you in your walk with God and drive you closer to Jesus. For more information about our church, visit mbcmetairie.org. Now, here's this week's message. Well, if you got your Bible this morning, I want you to open it up and we let's turn together to the book of John, the book of John, sometimes not looked at so much as a as, you know, having Christmas passages. A lot of times we look to Luke 2 and we'll be looking at Luke 2, of course, in the in the weeks ahead. But today we're going to be in John and we're going to be in John chapter 1. So I want to encourage you, if you've got a Bible, go ahead and turn there. If you've got a phone or a tablet, go ahead and be able able to move your way there. If you're joining with us online, like Miss Rachel said earlier, we want to encourage you guys to comment below. Let us know where you're watching from. But apart from that, we want you guys to grab your Bible as well, because we want you to be a part of this. If you've got your notes, go ahead and, and pull those out. And of course, you can find your notes uh, if you're watching with us online by going to our website. It's up here on the screen and clicking on, on the worship tab and you'll be able to get our notes right there. One more thing that I like to mention, I mentioned to it last week, but we had a few people out because of Thanksgiving, so I wanted to mention to you one more time, because we have so many people that are um, traveling during this season and because they might miss church, we have a podcast. We have sermon podcasts, and so if you miss our time together, you can catch up. You can go to Spotify. You can go to iTunes. You can go to Anchor, any of the places, the major places that, um, that podcasts can be found. Now, I want us to talk about today Jesus's marvelous birth and how that first Christmas was Jesus's marvelous birth. But I want to make sure that we understand something this morning, that that wasn't Jesus's beginning. Uh, Carrie Ann and I, uh, we wanted to start our own Christmas traditions. Back when we were growing up, uh, our families would do this thing every Christmas. It was called hunt around the attic for the Christmas tree. And so that's what we did every Christmas. I don't know what, what your Christmas tradition is or what you do with your tree, but we would go up every single Christmas and we pull, and it doesn't, you know, come down. It's all in the box and it's got years of duct tape on it, you know, or whether you've, you've got duct tape on yours or, you know, toe strap or whatever you've used to, you know, put around. That's what we did every single year, both of our families growing up. And so in 2014, we had our daughter, our first daughter, and we said, what, what, what do we want to do that's just special to us? We want to do something that's special with our family. Some traditions are passed down, you know, from generation to generation. But we wanted to do something special that was just for us. Lo and behold, do you know, in all of our years, we had never gone and bought a Christmas tree. We've never gone, we've never gone to a farm. We never went down the road, you know. They sell them right here on the side of veterans. We had never done any of that kind of stuff. And we had no idea how to do it. But we said, you know what, let's try it this year. And so sure enough, we go down and we uh, look at the Christmas trees. We have no idea what we're looking for. But we go and we find one that, you know, looks pretty good at a decent price. And we begin to, uh, to check out. And I don't know if you've ever bought your own Christmas tree. But what they'll do is you'll have a person and they'll come and they'll shape up the bottom of it, you know. And they'll uh, sometimes they'll they'll cut the very bottom. If if maybe when the tree was first cut down, it might have been cut at an angle. They do it pretty quick. But you'll have a person out there, and he'll have a little chainsaw, and he'll try to shave it just right. And so we're just taking in this whole experience. And what happened was, 
is the gentleman who was shaping it up before we put it on top of our car and, and brought it home. At that, at that point in time, we had a Nissan Altima and we were about to get sap all over the top of this Nissan Altima. You know, we've just strapped it down like you see and we're hoping that it doesn't fall off going down Veterans Boulevard. But the guy who, who was shaping up the bottom of our tree said, you know what, as I shape this up and I clean it up and I'm gonna make it, I'm gonna make it straight so when you set it up, you know, it'll, it'll sit right in the, the bottom straight. He said, something that you might consider doing since this is your first first Christmas tree. We told him our story. He said, you might, as I cut this off, you might just put a little ribbon on there and use this as a Christmas ornament for years to come. And so that's exactly what we've done. We haven't done this with any other tree, just our very first tree that we've had the, the, the bottom. And so I wanted to bring this and show you today. This is, this is a little tiny piece of wood. It's got some spray paint on the bottom of it, but this has such sentimental value for me and for my family because it represents when that very first tradition started. And so there are all kinds of firsts when you think about Christmas. And it comes to different people and it comes to different traditions and how they use to celebrate Christmas. And I think about that very first Christmas. That very first Christmas when Jesus was born and the, you know, it just kind of came out of the blue. You know, we anticipate it every year. Sometimes people start singing Christmas music, you know, way back, you know, around the time of Halloween, but they didn't anticipate it. They had no idea until, you know, the angel is speaking to Mary. The, you know, the Joseph is having dreams. The shepherds, the wise men, John the Baptist is being born. There were so many first on that that very first Christmas and I think that sometimes that we forget that even with all the first that took place with Jesus's birth that it wasn't his beginning the same way that when we're born that is our beginning but when Jesus was born, that he had existed for all of eternity. I've seen the kids come together and, you know, different families might even do this. Folks that will buy a cake and they'll sing happy birthday to Jesus. And I think that's super cute. But I think that that sometimes we can pull ourselves back and maybe not understand the full concept that during Christmas, we aren't just celebrating the birth of Jesus. Now, that's important. But we're not just selling the birth of Jesus. We're celebrating what is called, listen to me, a big theological word called the incarnation. The incarnation. And the incarnation is simply this. There's, there's some big terms, but it's simply this. It's when Jesus takes on a 100% human form, but he is still 100% God. That's the incarnation, and that's what we celebrate. Next week, I'm super excited because we're going to be singing the song, Hark the Herald Angels Sing. You don't want to miss that. Make sure that you're coming to be a part of that. But sometimes you don't realize how much rich theology is in some of these old Christmas carols that we sing over and over and over. In fact, I tell you what, let's put this one up on the screen just to, just so that you can see one of these one of these verses. And so up here on the screen, you guys know it. I'm going to ask you not to sing it. Wait till next week, but Christ the highest heaven adored, Christ the everlasting Lord. He's lived forever. 
All right, he's been around forever. Late in time, behold him come, offspring of the virgin's womb. Now check this out. This is the incarnation, 100% God, 100% man, veiled in flesh, the Godhead see, and don't miss it, hail the incarnate deity, pleased with us in flesh to dwell, Jesus our Emmanuel. Emmanuel means God with us. And so I don't want you to miss this. Even with the Christmas carols that we sing, the incarnation, the incarnate deity, that is what we are celebrating. It's his marvelous birth, but it's not his beginning. That's why I put this quote right there in your notes. I want you to be able to see this. A quote by William Barclay about the passage that we're getting ready to go through here in just a second. It says, it says this, when John wrote this passage, the one that we're going to be looking at, John chapter one, he was thinking of the time before Jesus came in the world, in the body. Let's Focus in on that today. And so with that being said, I want you to look with me in John chapter 1. Let's start right here in verse 10. And we're just going to go through a few verses here this morning through verse 15. And in John chapter 10, it says, He, talking about Jesus, was in the world, and the world was created through Him. And yet, the world did not recognize Him. The creator of the world steps into eternity and they didn't recognize him. They didn't recognize that this is the one who created us. Verse 11, he came to his own. That's talking about the Jewish people. He came to his own and his own did not receive him. But listen to this. Now this is talking about all of us in verse 12. But all who did receive him, he gave them the right to be children of God to those who believe in his name. That is such an important verse that even though the Jewish people didn't receive him back 2,000 years ago, you and I still have an opportunity to receive him or to reject him. And if we receive Christ as our Lord and Savior, it says that he will make us his children. We can become the children of God through salvation in him. Verse 13 those who believe in his name, who were born not of natural descent or of the will of the flesh or the will of man, but of God. Talking about us being born again. Then in verse 14, this is the part that I really want us to spend some time on this morning. The word, and I'm going to talk about that here in just a second. The word became flesh, talking about Jesus, and dwelt among us. We observed his glory, the glory as the one and only son from the father, full of grace and truth. John, talking about John the Baptist, testified concerning him and exclaimed, this is the one of whom I said, the one coming after me ranks ahead of me because he existed before me. He existed before me. And I think that the Apostle John, who we're, who we're reading from today, is trying to communicate so many different aspects of Jesus in this first chapter. But we're just going to look at a very few of them this morning as they relate to Christmas. So if you got your notes this morning, I want you to pull those out, have your pen ready, because the first thing that I want you to write down is this Christmas season, let's remember that Jesus is eternal. Let's talk about how Jesus is eternal. John the Baptist said, he existed before me. 
We, we saw earlier about, about how he was created, uh, how he was had an intricate part in creation. So we're talking about his marvelous birth during Christmas, but it's not his beginning. In fact, look with me one more time in verse 14. In verse 14, just the very beginning of that verse, it says, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Now, the, the word word back in this day and age, it was the Greek word logos. And it's, it, it was the way that the Greeks described reason and order in, in the cosmos. They recognized that there was something out there, that there was some kind of order that was out there. Now, they didn't know, they couldn't put their finger on quite what it was, and they worshipped all these different types of false gods, but they didn't know what, but they recognized that there was some type of order that was out there, and they called this reason or this order, they called it the Greek word logos. And so what happens is John picks up on that. He says, you know what, I can use that. So he picks up on that and he says to them, he says, Jesus is the logos. He is the order. He is the reason behind the universe. He is the wisdom of the ages. And he is not an it. He is a him. And the reason he became flesh and became a human, and, and, and you just, you gotta put yourself in their shoes. I know you might not understand fully, but the Greeks, this was mind blowing to them because they always considered the spirit was pure. Every, you know, everything on the inside. So everything with dealing with the spirit and the spiritual, those things were pure. But when you get to the body, when you get to the flesh, when you get to the physical, now that is dirty. That is sinful. That is marred, if you will. And so this was mind-blowing when John comes on the scene and he says, the logos, the reason, the order of the universe became flesh. It, it almost even even makes sense to them, but he's, he's trying to, to draw this, this correlation uh, with them. And so do you realize that Jesus had an intricate role in creating the world. Let's go all the way back. Look with me uh, real uh, real quickly at the very beginning of this chapter. We're not going to spend a lot of time here, but I just want you to see uh, at the very beginning of this chapter in John chapter 1, uh, just right here in the first three verses, it says this. It says, in the beginning was the Word. He's using this concept, right? In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And He was with God in the beginning. All things were created through Him, and apart from Him, listen to this, and apart from Him, not one thing was created that has been created. And so what we see here is that, man, that, that we're seeing that this taking a moment just to reflect that Jesus he, his existence didn't start on that first Christmas, that he had existed for all of eternity. Do you notice the first three words of this chapter? In the beginning. You know there's another place in the Bible that starts just like that. Do you know that? You know which one I'm talking about. Genesis 1 verse 1. In the beginning. I mean, John is, is doing this play on words to remind them to take a second and reflect on the fact that this is the same God, the Son of God, who was so intricately involved in the creation of the world. And this same God who his 
involved in the creation of the world comes to earth and he comes to his creation. Later on, we'll see that Jesus walks on the water. How does he do that? Because he's the one who invented water. Grab that concept. Later on, we'll see how he rebukes the storm. Like, like you and I would, would, would rebuke a little child for not sharing their toys. How, how is, how is Jesus able to do that? Because he's the one who invented weather. He can heal the blind. He can make the lame walk again because he invented the body. He can raise the dead. And this is so mind-blowing, just so mind-blowing. As I was just, just thinking about this and, 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 and reading through these passages because he is the author of life. Even death itself can't hold back Jesus. He can raise the dead. He is the Lord of the physical body and he is the Lord of the spiritual as well. All of it belongs to him, your physical body, and then the part of you that is here this morning, your spirit that none of us can see. He is the Lord of your spirit, both realms, physical and spiritual realm. He is the Lord of those. And so if you will be diligent to remember this Christmas that Jesus, yes, he is born, but that Jesus is eternal, it will change your Christmas. It will absolutely change. It will deepen your Christmas like never before. Jesus is eternal. Right off the pages of scripture. The second thing that I want you to write down this morning is that Jesus is glorious. Jesus is glorious. Go back with me in verse 14. We talked about how he was the word, became flesh, dwelt amongst us. And then look at this next sentence right here. We observed his glory, the glory as the one and only son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Now, some of your Bibles may say only begotten. We also get that back from John chapter three. You know, children a lot of times read uh, or memorize, you know, John three sixteen, only begotten son. Some people will take that only begotten son and think, oh, well, Jesus was created. No, 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 no. If we go back to the original Greek, it's, it's a Greek word called monogene. And it, and it, it literally means that, that he is unique. It is God's unique Son, not created. And so that's why a lot of our Bibles will translate it one and only. They're trying to emphasize the uniqueness of the Son of God. And so here we can see that he is glorious and they were able to observe his glory. John was able to observe his glory, especially as one of the 12 disciples. And the Jews had this idea of glory, the glory that you can see. The glory that is manifested. This is what they used a, a big technical term called the, the Shekinah glory. It was very dear. And this word Shekinah, it means that which dwells. And it is a word used for the visible presence of God amongst men and women. And over and over in the Old Testament, we see this glory happen in different places. If you think back into the Old Testament, you might think back of the time that, that the people 
people of God, the Israelites are wandering in the wilderness. And as they're wandering in the wilderness, what do they have? A cloud of fire, a cloud by day and a cloud and a pillar of fire by night, right? That is an example of this Shekinah glory. It's a physical manifestation, being able to see the, the glory of God. When God gave Moses the Ten Commandments, uh, prior to that, that whole process, he comes down on Mount Sinai and there's thunder and there's lightning and there's fire. And this is a physical manifestation of the glory of God. We see this in other places when the tabernacle was erected and, um, and, and the glory of God fills the tabernacle. When Solomon's temple was dedicated. Do you remember how, how the, the scriptures are specific that it talks about how the, the, the manifestation of God's glory was so thick that they couldn't even worship in the temple. That, man, when God's, God's glory being so thick. And so here's what I want you to see. Look up here on the screen. Colossians chapter 2 verse 9 says this, for in Jesus all the fullness of the deity, all that fullness, pillar of cloud, fire on the top of a mountain, manifested, you know, and form it coming into to the temple. All the fullness of the deity dwells in bodily form. That's no normal baby in a manger. That's no normal baby. That is all of the deity and all the glory of Christ manifested. And here's what's mind-blowing. Here's as I think about Christmas because in the Old Testament, when you've got this, when you've got God's glory and God's presence when it's manifested, uh, you know, and you think of the like the ark of the covenant. The ark of the covenant was the manifest presence of God. But you had to be very careful around this. I mean, if you if you touch this thing even accidentally, it you know, it could it could kill you. In fact, there are certain cases that people touched it accidentally and they died because the glory of God was so thick. So you had to keep your distance. Now, this kind of reminds me of something that happened. Some of y'all uh, know the story. I, I've, told it, I've told it before, but there was one time that we had a person come up and I, they asked, you know, what, what kind of things do you need done around the church? And so I said, man, I really need my youth room mopped. You know, the kids have been in there and it was all kind of messy and this happened several years ago. I said, man, I really need my, my, youth, group, uh, my youth room mopped. And so anyway, I said, here's the soap, here's the bucket, put all that kind of, you know, you, you, you know, I should have like taken the time to like really walk through like how to do it. Obviously they hadn't, done much of this. Well, the amount of soap needed was one cap full, okay? And I don't think this person just fully understood. You know, you, you, take, a, you take a cap full, you put it in a like three gallon, you know, in the bucket, and then you got your mop, and then you can do your whole thing. They poured the entire concentrate into the bucket and, and proceeded to mop our youth room. And let me tell you, the floor was very clean. It was also very potent. I don't know how they did this without falling over. And so I, I just remember that particular day, it was a weekday and we're all up here and you know, it wasn't a Sunday or anything, but we all had to evacuate the entire building, sanctuary included, because the youth room, which is all the way, it's up here, it's in the back of our building upstairs, you know, because this potency just took over the entire building. And as I thought about that example, I thought about all the glory manifested that, that even the, the, the priests couldn't even come into the temple and, and worship because that all of God was manifested there together. And now you've got it all, all wrapped up 
in Jesus. Jesus, listen to me, did not come as the diluted form of God. He was not a diluted form by coming in a body. He was the full concentrate, but he came in a way that didn't, that didn't kill you the same way that like the Ark of the, the Covenant. And so as we see this, I want us to see how Jesus is eternal, number one, but also that Jesus is glorious. I want you to really grab hold of how amazing it is that the manifest presence of God would come in the form of a child and nobody died. It's amazing. It's amazing. The last thing that, uh, well, the next to last thing I want you to write down is this. This Christmas season, let's remember that Jesus is missional. Let's remember that Jesus is missional. We've been talking about missions, of course, with the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. But I want you to see right here as we move into verse 15, it talks about John. Now, this is a different John than who wrote the book. This is John the Baptist. It says, John the Baptist testified concerning him, talking about Jesus, and exclaimed, this was the one whom I said, the one coming after me ranks ahead of me because he existed before me. Now, John the Baptist was the herald of Jesus. Like a herald would walk into a crowd of people, and maybe you've seen movies or something like this, where a herald would walk out and say, make way for the king, okay? And then everyone would move and make way for the king. That was the role of John the Baptist. But John the Baptist wasn't saying make way physically for the king. He was saying, make sure that your heart is prepared for the king. That's why his baptism is even so different from ours. It was a baptism of repentance. It was a change of heart, preparing oneself for the Messiah. But even with Christmas, we can get caught up in so many moments of busyness. I mean, you're trying to wrap up work you're trying to get things, you know, perhaps for the kids, trying to hide things from the kids. I was having conversations with you guys even this past week about ways that you're trying to, you know, to do all those things. We can get so caught up in the busyness of Christmas that we forget that Jesus was the greatest missionary who ever lived. Have you thought about it that way? Have you thought about when Jesus came, that he came as the greatest missionary who ever lived? He didn't just come and say, hey, I'm here. He didn't just come and preach and he didn't just come and work some miracles. His ultimate purpose in coming to earth was to glorify the Father and to save our souls through his death. Grapple with this. He was born so that he could die. He was born so that he could die. And by being missional, he trained his disciples so that the work wouldn't stop after he was resurrected and ascended into heaven. And with all that Christmas and giving away gifts, and, and let, let me just be reminded of, of something uh, even, even today. You know, gifts, they cost you. When you give a gift to someone, they cost you something. But to the recipient... The person that you're giving that gift to, it costs them nothing. Think of Jesus giving you the gift of salvation. It cost him everything, but it cost us nothing. He paid for your soul in full on the cross. It didn't cost him $100, folks. It didn't cost him $1,000 or $10,000. It cost him everything. The gift of salvation cost him everything, and the gift of salvation cost you nothing. A gift. A gift that you cannot earn. So let me ask you this. 
Have you ever gotten a Christmas gift that you never used? Have you ever gotten a Christmas gift that you, ever, that you never used? Sometimes when people don't know what to give, they'll just, you know, they'll see something and they'll give it to you. Can I just put myself out there? There was a Christmas gift got a couple years ago that I never used. Do you want to know what it was? It was a, it was, it was, it came kind of in this box and it was a, it was a way to clean your cell phone off of all the germs. Have you seen this thing? And it had like ultraviolet light. And apparently you're, I guess you're supposed to put it in there at night, you know, while you're charging your phone or whatever. And so the ultraviolet light was just supposed to like kill all the germs. I'm thinking to myself, you know, I, I put this next to my head all day long. I don't know how this is going to, you know, work, you know, at, at night or whatever. And if I was completely honest, I won't tell the person that gave it to me. Please don't tell them either. But I never used that gift. I never used it. Collected dust. How many times Jesus has given us our salvation. He's given us eternal life and the gift of salvation in your life and in my life is still collecting dust. God has called us to, he was missional. He's called us to be missional as well. It is a free gift that costs him everything. And we don't wanna treat our salvation like that. We want to share with others. Have you ever seen a woman who's, who's been engaged and she's got that ring on her finger? Have you ever seen that? She will go out of her way of just like, you know, hey, or, you know, I've seen it. I've seen it with my own two eyes. I've seen them in Costco or, you know, or in Walmart. Hey, how you doing? Oh, I'm doing good. You know, they will go out of their way to show you because they're so drawn to that. They want people to see the gift that they have been given. Jesus Christ came as a missional God, gave us the greatest gift ever. You and I, we don't have to be flamboyant like that, but we have to share that gift with others. He was the greatest missionary. He calls us to be missionaries as well. Number four, I want you to write this down. And especially that this Christmas season, let's remember especially that Jesus is returning. Jesus is returning. Now, admittedly, this isn't a point that's here in the passage, but it's imperative that we remember this during Christmas. I don't know if you'll be able to see this. We're going to put, are, are you into memes? I like memes. And so I saw this meme that came across, uh, came across my, uh, my social media this past week. I don't know if you can see, this is, this is a meme uh, from Lord of the Rings. If you're into uh, things like Lord of the Rings and Merry and Pippin, and they're following Aragorn uh, into the wilderness. And so if you remember that movie, I don't know if you can see this, but it's Merry and Pippin and, and they're, you know, they're talking talking about Christmas, so they're, they're taking it from the movie, but it says, O come, O come, Emmanuel. And then Aragorn, if you remember the movie, he's, he's like, it's not time for breakfast, you know? And, and so he says, Emmanuel has already come. And they said, yes, we've had one coming, but what about the second coming? Some of y'all will, will get that. We've been looking at John's first book, but can I show you something from John's last book? You know John wrote the book of Revelation. Let's put it up here on the screen. Revelation 19, 11 through 12. Hang with me, we're almost done. It says right here in verse, uh, chapter 19, verses 11 and 12. Then I saw heaven open and there was a white horse and its rider is called Faithful and True. It's talking about Jesus and with justice he judges and makes war. In verse 12 it says, his eyes were like a fiery flame and many crowns were on his head. Now this is much different than baby in the manger. This is Jesus on the white horse, okay? Tongue 
like a fire, his eyes are like a fiery flame with many crowns on his head. And, and he had a name written that no one knows except himself. And I wanted you to be able to see this next verse, big and bold, says that he wore a robe dipped in blood. Why was it dipped in blood? Because he gave his life for us. And his name is called, are you ready for this? Exactly what we've been talking about. The Word of God. When Jesus came the first time, no one could have predicted it. No one could have predicted that first Christmas, his coming. It just happened. And we celebrate that surprise encounter every single year, and we call it Christmas. I wonder what's, what we're going to call years into eternity. I wonder what we're going to call his second coming. I just wonder, what, what are we going to call his second coming? What do you think in heaven? What do you think as we celebrate the second coming? What, what do you think that we'll, we'll call it? I don't know, but this is what I do know, is that first Christmas wasn't Jesus's beginning. And listen to me, it wasn't his end. You know, I go back to this ornament that we got on our, our first Christmas. Uh, that tree is a family. And for years to come, I will have a piece of that first Christmas with my family. In the same way, Jesus is offering to you not just a season of reflection, but he's offering a piece of that first Christmas to you and to me. Do you know Jesus Christ as your Savior? Because this ornament doesn't just represent a tree. It represents a relationship. It represents a moment. And Jesus wants a relationship with you. That's why he came on that first Christmas is so that you can become, you ready for this? I had my first child. So you could become what we just read earlier in verse 10, a child of God. Let's bow and have a word of prayer.